Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It is Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and I am coming to you live from my parents' house. Uh, thanks to a COVID outbreak, we are utilizing free daycare down here. Um, and I am talking about that so you know, A, if the sound quality is even more off than usual, that's why. And B, that's not today's game against Southampton, which is something that we'd like to talk about as little as possible. Joining me tonight to talk about this train wreck. Is our regular crew of Brian Ashlock. Brian, how's it going? Uh, I'm hanging in there, man. You finding finding any good ways to cope? You want to share with the rest of us? Uh, none that we can discuss like explicitly. <laughs> Just ones that we can, you know, dance around and okay. You know, any imply, any 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 good skiing you want to recommend to us after today's game? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think that's probably the worst thing you could do at the yeah. time like this. Fair enough. Fair enough. And also joining us in, in, in a vain attempt to cope with this match um, who, and someone who is definitely doing it well is Ben Daniels. Ben, uh, how, how are you dealing um, with today? Uh, I'm doing OK. I, I just watched Cabaret, which is actually a remarkably good movie about the rise of fascism in Nazi Germany and not just a frivolous song and dance number featuring Lucille Two from Arrested Development. Ben is doing that thing where he becomes a very like self-conscious film guy, except all the movies that most film guys lie to you about having watched that night, he actually watches that night. Yeah. You should watch some more Serbian black and white films, Greg. It would really broaden your horizons. Yeah. How, how many times have you actually watched, uh, was it Suspiria? Is that, is that... Just the once. Just the once, really? Really, Ben? And it is the opposite of black and white. Has... Uh, how, how many times have you lied to people about watching that movie? That's not really a movie you lie about. It's like some <laughs> schlock Italian horror. It's not like a pretentious art film. Oh, you would know yeah. that. You would know that if you uh, watched other movies outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Greg. Yes. Sorry, Ben. I, I'm watching the uh, Dario Argentina, Argento uh, Cinematic Universe all the time. So. Oh, so you've seen Suspiria? Yes, I have. <laughs> I was in college. I was at a college film class once, Ben. Um, I yeah. saw Tokyo Drift again last night. So. Oh, see, finally. Similar, similar to taste in movies. We had, like, Tokyo Drift or Tokyo Drifter? Tokyo Drifter is really good. <laughs> no, so no, Tokyo, Tokyo Drift. Drift. It's very good. It's it's like a it's I don't know if you know this, but so it's like uh, out of sequence in the Fast and Furious universe, and so uh, but anyway, I, I don't want to get into all the cool technicalities. <laughs> I feel like it's so overlooked. It's kind of an art film. I think that's you know I think Eric Dyer would agree with me here that it really fits within sort of the new wave, sure, you know, movement, the new wave Justin Lin cinematography. Justin, that's yeah. French, right? He's Eric French. Dyer didn't go to film school. He did his own research, and that's what he came up with. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, would have been nice to have Eric Dyer today, huh? Yeah. Oh, wow. What a transition, guys. 
I'm yeah, it would have been really nice to have Eric Dyer because Tottenham sucked ass and we lost to Southampton 3-2 at home. It wasn't good. Um, I still think Ralph uh, Ralph Ralphnick is not a good manager because he keeps getting beat 9-0, but he sure seems to know how to play us. It is really, really deeply annoying. Uh, this is a lot different than the first time you, you got, played it. You got the year. wrong German Ralph there, Greg. <laughs> Ralph Ralphnick, you're right. Right. Ralph Ralfenhoodle. Sorry. Uh, and also, I think uh, Hassenhoodle is Austrian, not German. Okay. Ben. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm just saying. Fuck you. Let's move on. Look, uh, here on Wheeler Dealer Radio, we're committed to getting <laughs> facts correct. Because we do our Announcing own names right and getting nationalities accurate and, you know, all sorts of other very important things. And the I just want to make sure. Yep. I just want to make sure that we're doing that. Sorry. Okay. So Ralph Ralfenhoodle, uh, you know, seems to have Conte and Tottenham's number. It wasn't very good. Ben, what made this different from our first uh, match against these losers? I mean, we got our asses kicked. I don't, I don't, I don't remember the first match. I was going to go for it. The first one was kind of a defensive rear guard action that Southampton was able to pull against us. And this one, they just whipped our ass. But, you know, sure, that works too. I think the main difference was like Southampton was able to keep the press up for the full 90 minutes in this well, one. Not getting a guy sent off in the 30 minute probably helped with that, too. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they go down to 10 men in the first one that we end up drawing one one. And then so this one, you know, they keep all 11 guys on the field and. You know, they've had some time off uh, and, you know, they were just able to press us and. um one of the things we talked about kind of in the um, in the writer's room was uh, in the Juventus doc that's going on right now. There's Pirlo talking about um, Inter Milan and, and, and the Conte coach team. He's like, look, if you press them man to man, you can fuck up the patterns and they don't know what to do. And that's on an Inter Milan team that he's been at for a year and a half at that point. And he's been here for all of what, like three months. And we, we like kind of know the patterns, but really don't. And so like we, one, didn't really have the players to deal with the press. And then two, we just didn't have the knowledge of the system to, to figure out a way out of it and around it. Like we, we found like one idea at one point and that was Davinson Sanchez plays a long ball to Harry Kane. And that worked twice and and relying on him to hit Davinson Sanchez to hit that long ball consistently and accurately is not exactly a strategy that I think well, we should the, be employing. The, the, I guess a subset of that strategy would be Romero breaks their entire, you know, press single-handedly, which kind of worked a couple times. But like you said, these were not sustainable strategies. It just in terms, I mean, that's a little more sustainable than, um, than, than relying on Davinson Sanchez to hit a pass accurately, but still, we had this match was kind of weird because it started out with Southampton kind of beating the brakes off of us a little bit, and they weren't able to finish. And then around the tenth minute, Spurs kind of started to assert some control, and then they put together a really nice move for a goal, uh, or at least they forced an own goal. But you know, it, it really felt to me like at that point, like I, I feel like we've seen a bunch of games like that under Conte where we don't look great at the start of the match, but we kind of assert ourselves put the other team on the back foot and start I don't, maybe not cruising, but you know, we look good for the rest of the match. Um, you know, certainly that's something we saw under Pochettino a lot where it, we, we kind of took, you know, 
20, 30 minutes to really get going. But once we got going, we got going. This match, we saw something I feel like we saw a lot under Mourinho, which was as soon as we scored our goal, you know, it just, it's like we were, it's like we sort of checked out and went to lunch because I feel like that, that 10, 15 minutes was really the only period we were comfortably on top in this match. And aside from Southampton just not being able to finish, you know, we didn't have much of a strategy beyond, you know, get it over them and hope one of our world-class forwards can put it in the net. I mean, I'm going to disagree with you that we were ever remotely on top in the first half. I mean, the whole first half, besides that goal, we just got our asses handed to us. I disagree. I disagree. Like, we, I, we, I really think we, we did not put maintain in, control for about like 10 minutes, 15 minutes there, but. I mean, we did, we didn't create, we didn't create anything certainly. And Southampton was putting shot after shot. I, I don't remember what the shot count was at halftime, but it was like 15 to two or something like dramatically bad. Like, they just killed us. I mean, they they pressed us, like Brian was saying, they pressed us heavily in every phase of the game. We did not have the capacity to pass around them. We did not track their runners. We did not do, do anything to stop their, their counters. Like, we were just saved by their profligacy in front of goal. Um, but, no, I mean, I, there's nothing redeemable about that first half of football other than the fact that we forced an own goal. Like, it was bad. Yeah, so I mean, what? they were up by, I'm just going to say, that they were up by like a whole XG going into the half, and we were level on score, and uh, I, I don't know, I, it was just, the midfield was frustrating, because you had a midfield that included Harry Winks, and so you, he is, I guess, our best passer in midfield right now, and he was completely and totally ineffective. Um, and he looked like old, bad Harry Winks, as opposed to the revitalized Harry Winks that we've been talking about uh, in the last couple weeks. Um, and I, I don't mean to single him out. I mean, we can talk about a bunch of other players that are bad, too. Well, Hoiberg in uh, particular, I thought was very disappointing, especially after getting like a day or two on Twitter of like, ooh, look what a good passer he is. Yeah, him... Sanchez, Emerson was less than great. Ben Davis was at fault for, you know, the the chance that led to their goal, their first goal. Um, you know, I, th- there weren't a lot of great performances, honestly. So um, you, I want to, like, sort of examine this game. I mean, we're going to dig more into this game, but just to sort of set the conversation, I want to look at it in context because this isn't a new lineup. We've run this lineup before this year. It's looked much better against frankly, probably better teams than Southampton. Uh, we saw it look very, it was very successful uh, just a few days ago, by and large. So, I mean, what was going on today that was so bad? Was this just, we had a bunch of guys just not having great days at the office? Did Southampton just nail their tactics? I mean, worse, better teams than Southampton have looked worse than this against us. I mean, you know, maybe Southampton is just equipped to press us in a way that other that better teams aren't. Uh, maybe. You know, like I, like you were saying, Brian Winks and Sanchez just chose a bad day. Or Royale had a, chose bad days to have their worst games of the season. I, I, mean, I don't know. I just I, I want to talk a little bit about like why was today so much worse? Because this wasn't this is a lineup we've seen be successful. I mean, I think it's a combination of us being bad and Southampton being particularly good. I mean, they are a very effective high pressing team. Usually, that means if you can break their press, 
you can find opportunities behind them and you can score on them. And, you know, once once they get broken, they kind of stay broken and they don't have the legs to keep that up for 90 minutes. But for some reason against us, probably the long break helped a lot in that respect. But Southampton were able to press us for a lot longer, I think, than they are normally capable of at that intensity. And B, we just never were able to get behind them. We're like We just could not pass through Southampton's press. They were able to put us under so much pressure. And, you know, Hoiberg was misplacing passes like crazy. So was Winks. You know, they were both kind of traffic cones in midfield. Um, it, it just, it, it was just not a a a strong performance um in, in in any phase of the game and i think you know having romero in the team you see what he can do especially late in the game he's marauding all the way into the box he's like playing line breaking passes like you said but like having him be the central center back really took a lot off the table with what he's good at and you know i think they knew that the weak part of our, our of our of our lineup was that Davinson and Royale access. And as long as they funneled the ball that direction, we weren't going to be able to get through their, their press and, and they couldn't. I mean, that was really the whole game it was just those two guys were particularly bad. And, and it's interesting I mean, when you compare that to the Brighton game, which, cause I mean, that's a game where, you know, Brighton's best player was Basuma who is in the middle of the pitch. And, you know, I, Romero played great in that game, but they weren't, creating that pressure. I mean, Royale, I think, was also just on that day, but, you know, they were trying to create their pressure, sort of, they were funneling it centrally, it felt like. It wasn't like they were blasting us away on the wings, which, honestly, it feels like that's what always happens to us when we get our asses kicked. Uh, I don't know. It was very, like, Romero was so good against Brighton, and and then you see him today, and it wasn't, he wasn't bad. But like you said, Ben, like, it, it took away, they, they were able to use that to take away some of our attack. I think that's just what happens when you have like the, you know, functional midfield that Conte wants is it just depends on so many other places to do the job of ball progression. Um, And we just weren't able to do that today. And Southampton did a great job of making sure we weren't able to do that. You know, I think I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but like when Bencourt came on, like he immediately locked things down in midfield, was press resistant and like displayed a range of passing that, you know, I wasn't prepared for out of him, but, you know, was was very impressive. Um, and I think that was the only period of the game that, you know, we were able to actually generate anything. It was unfortunate that we lost the game uh, with him on the pitch because I think I, I think he gave us a lot that we were lacking. Yeah, I mean, it, it's frustrating to watch this team still not have ball progression in it. And I, I know it's, you know, January is hard to do stuff in and, you know, the transfer market is what it is. But like we this team lost two players out of midfield that are that are actually capable of being ball progressors. And we, you know, we added Benton who who, you know, for whatever, 20 or 30 minutes looked very good, but we didn't add quality ball progression in any of the really other spots on this team. Um, you know, I, I think Kulisevsky is, is, is good and interesting. And, you know, his profile seems to say that he, you know, 
is good at making dangerous passes into the box. We didn't really see that today, but you know, we already have someone who kind of ball progresses in that role. So we're talking about, you know, just an improvement or an alternative to what we're playing in that position right now. We didn't get more progression or better passing out of, you know, the center back position or the, the, or the right back position or, you know, so, so, this is the group we've got, and it's just if we have to play through a press, we just look lost. And, I mean, you know, a lot of the teams that are ahead of us, the teams that are at the top of the table, they press well and they press high up the pitch and they have better midfields than us. Um, and it makes you wonder, like, how are we going to make up ground on some of those teams? Like, you know, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, like they're all they're they're all going to now do the same sort of stuff to us that Southampton did. And they have much better players in Southampton. Um, and I mean, we can tell ourselves that maybe Bentoncourt will be added to the lineup and maybe that addresses some of the things. But this is pretty much the lineup, I think. Well, I, I disagree with that a little bit. Brian. With without Dyer, with Dyer, I guess. Well, I no, guess no, that's no. the but other even change. Even with Dyer, it's like, you know, potentially there's a whole different midfield that we see if everyone's healthy with Skip and Bentoncourt, who... Oh, that's right. Skip didn't play. That's, yeah, I, so... I, you're right. You're right. You're right. You know, you're right. And I don't know if that's what Conte is going to do, but, like, you can convince me, and maybe it's just because we saw what we saw today and I'm kind of over it, but you can convince me that you put Skip skip and benton core out there and that's a midfield with at a minimum just much more control over everything because skip covers so much more ground than winks benton core is just so solid and reliable and you know like i think part of the problem that we've seen um with with hoivier certainly today was he was so profligate i mean he was just giving the ball away under no pressure at all and you know, what I think is encouraging about that is even if we just get this, what we were told we were getting from Juventus with Bentoncourt, which is, you know, oh, conservative, solid, steady, reliable passing, which I think I agree with you, Ben. We've seen he's been much more adventurous at Spurs than I was led to believe he was. But even if we just get that, that's an improvement over what we got out of Hoiberg. Not just today, I would argue for a while he's been kind of overrated at midfield. Although it's, I think it should be pointed out today was much worse than we used to seeing out of him. I think the thing I would like defend Hoybier about is that because things were so bad, he was maybe forcing it a little bit. And like, that's just not his game. And it doesn't make it any better, but I don't think it's, I don't think he's necessarily a problem when all things are working, but he's not a guy who's going to fix things when they aren't. And you know, today things very much were not working. And I think, you know, even in light of all of that, even that inability to break the press, inability to progress the ball, you know, we were still ultimately able to put together one and a half expected goals. We scored two of them. We had a few other chances that like didn't turn into chances. I'm thinking particularly like when Sun was dribbling sideways into the box and just like a loose touch took the ball away from him when it was like, would have been, I think, a certain goal had that ball like stayed on his feet. Um, you know, we were able to generate something, you know, the real shocking thing to me is seeing the just horrible defensive lapses happen that like we'd seem to have shaken under Conte, 
you know, that was like a big, a big story under Jose Mourinho is like individual errors leading to goals and just like constant individual defensive fuck ups. And it was like, yeah, you know, when we put ourselves under that much pressure, we're going to fuck up. But like for the last few months, we've looked like we weren't going to like shoot ourselves in the foot. Sometimes we'd concede goals because the other team's good, but like, I, I don't recall a ton of just fucking dumb nonsense. Like the first Southampton goal was just like a comedy of errors from absolutely everybody, you know, from missed clearances to bad headers to miss marking, you know, and I, I mean, the next two goals as well, where, you know, we didn't cover JWP, well, who's a great crosser of the ball. We didn't track runners into the box. Like, it's simple shit. Well, talk you know, about and, those those two goals, the second two goals, Ben, because I think there's, if you look at sort of the game states, you know, again, I don't think we were ever truly like whipping Southampton's ass. But like you said, things settled down when Bentoncourt came on. You know, we we went ahead like they weren't. You know, Winks and Royale and Sanchez were still a problem, but they weren't like passing through our midfield quite as bad as they were before. And you can see it with their the XG states like spike there. They they weren't, you know, just whipping our ass like they were in the first half. So what happened? Yeah, I mean, I think they were just like just just breakdowns. I mean, Ward Prowse, who is, you know, notoriously good at delivering a set piece, especially um, against us. And, you know, if you give him time in an open field to, you know, treat live play as a set piece, like, yeah, he's still going to hit them. And, you know, I think Regulon in particular did a bad job in covering him out on out on that left flank. And we just failed to track runners. I mean, the first goal, you know, Winks and... Uh, Kulisevsky were both just standing outside of the box and Elianusi just made a simple run unmarked into the box and just got on the end of it. And then the second one was a similar story. Regulon failed to put Ward-Prowse under pressure and Royale did not, like he just watched Shea Adams like walk into the box and he like strolled up and like stood off like five yards from him and just gave him a free look. You know, like these are the kind of simple structural positioning things that we have largely done a good job of being better at and we just fucked it up. Like even a guy as good in the ball as JWP, like you should be able to just head those clicks. Like that shouldn't be two goals in two minutes. Like that's, that's unforgivable. And I mean, look, the second goal is, is it's still a great header. Like he, he has a lot to do to, to make that work, but you're absolutely right. Like to give JWP that much space and then to have Winks and Kulisevsky both just not track him at all. And then I don't know. I don't want to blame Royale for that, but he is the guy that winds up closest to him and maybe there's more he can do because he, he tries to kick it instead of head it. And I don't know, but like that's that one. I'm not going to pin on him, but yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. I'm pinning the hell out of it. But it's just, you know, Ward Prowse is such an interesting player because I don't know what he's good at other than like kicking the ball. Um, but so he's like Charlie is, Adam if he worked out or something like I, I just he's I think he's like way better than that. But I'm like joking. But yes. <laughs> but, you know, like he it, it's interesting to me that he is still at Southampton and that he just 
he continues to do the same things. I don't I don't watch enough of him to know what his deal is otherwise. Like, I don't know, maybe he's not very good defensively. Maybe he's not a, a very good positionally. But when the ball's in the attacking third and he just, like, gets a backwards pass from a fullback or a winger and then pops it into the box, like, he's he's incredibly dangerous. And anytime Southampton have a set piece that's within like 45 yards of goal, you have to be concerned because he's going to put, he's either going to shoot or he's going to put it into a spot where one of his giant defenders can do something with it. And you have to know that coming into these games, you have to know that you can't give him that kind of space. Like, like how is that not the brief that they've been given? How is Regulon like not been told? And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he has close this man down and then to not do it twice in the space of uh, 15, 20 minutes is, is ridiculous. Trust me nuts. I, mean, I, I feel like he kills us in particular. We joked when city were trying to buy Kane off his last summer that, Oh, the guy they should buy his son because he screws them in every match we play against them. Like we should do that with JWP. Like we should just buy him, put him on the bench. And that way, at least when we play Southampton twice a year, we might be able to win. I mean, even more than that, he would keep Harry Kane from taking free kicks. So, like, <laughs> there's so many reasons to buy him. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, was Regulon rage-subbed? Like, is that, is that the first no, time Conte has actually rage-subbed? I think, rage -subbed honestly, play? if you look at the patterns under Conte, he's always subbing fullbacks off late because he's making them run around so much. I mean, that's not, I, no, I don't think so. Yeah, but, like, Royale was really, really bad in a way that Regulon wasn't until that happened. It felt a little rage stubby to me. I'm, I'm the Royale thing. I feel bad about because like I don't think he had a good game today, and I think it has to be better. But like I think Spurs fans are so deranged about, or at least Spurs fans on Twitter are so deranged about Royale at this point that I like I hesitate to pile on because I don't think he's been bad, and I think he is being asked to play a little bit out of position. But this is right after he had an excellent match. Again, we're the Brighton match. He was really good. I mean, that was a deflected own goal. But, like, he was threatening all match. He was solid defensively. It's, I don't know. I hesitate to, like, shit on him in the way that everyone else in Spurs world seems to want to shit on him. But I mean, look, the alternative is Matt Doherty. So. Yes. I mean, but that's, like, no, honestly. The alternative is to make a winger into a wingback, Brian. <laughs> But right, but the actual alternative is Matt Doherty. <laughs> You're right, because uh, Conte never turns wingers into wingbacks. Not at Tottenham Hotspur, he doesn't. <laughs> not unless they're extremely large men, so maybe you could turn I mean, Sanchez like, into a winger, into a wingback. I mean, the unfortunate reality is, like, we have that, like, fucking triangle of Sanchez, Winks, and Royale on the right side, who are all of the weak links on the pitch, are just playing next to each other and combining next to each other. And it makes it just very with easy Luke, to defend. Yeah, with well, Lucas, Lucas giving them no help like the, above them. Yeah. Like Right. And like, you know, he had an assist, like, like Lucas and he had, you know, the hockey assist for Hoyberg's forced own goal. But you know, like that is clearly the weak part of the pitch. And like, you know, you imagine you get Dyer in and shuffle Romero out to the right, you get skip in for Winks, you get Kulashevsky in, hopefully, or or not, but like even just those two changes alone, like gives us so much more balance and like I think I'm really frustrated to see this team you know look so close to the finished article but at the same time be like unless we have our 11 guys I don't 
But that's I don't know if like, we can do it. That's the kind of weird thing about where we are as a team because of when Conte came in, where it's like we're kind of doing this all on the fly. Like, you know, we're assembling it. Like Brian said earlier, he's been here for, what, three months, four months, whatever the hell it's been. Like, we kind of understand what he's doing. We've seen the impact. But, like, you know, it's we're still doing this on the fly, and he's still, like, relying on the guys you're relying on. We talked before the match um, about, like, Ben, I know you were – discussing how it was like disappointing that Bentoncourt wasn't starting. And, you know, like the thing that we have to remember with him and Kulishevsky right now is that, you know, those guys got here less than a week ago. And, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Kulishevsky, but it's also been like a week. Like literally the guys had two sub appearances. Like Bentoncourt's look good. I think he'll be in that starting lineup sooner rather than later, especially after today. But, you know, even assuming their fitness is where they need to be, like, you know, they're going to have to learn how to manage this. And, you know, but the fact, and that's like, I think that's something we all rationally understand, but it's frustrating to wait on. And I think it's also, I don't know about you guys. I feel like the last two years have just completely broken my brain. And it's like, it's hard to deal with an ugly match from Spurs and just take it as, you know what? We got some stuff wrong that day. Southampton got some stuff right. Bad day at the office. Let's move on and not think, Oh fuck. Did someone, did, did we just get figured out? Is this the beginning of the end? Is Antonio Conte going to leave Tottenham Hotspur in June? Like, it's just, it's hard for me. And I think it's much harder for other Spurs fans. Cause I don't think I, I don't think I carry it nearly as far as they do, but it's hard for me not to catastrophize or catastrophize with this team. And it's just, it's, you know, catastrophize like, is correct. Catastrophize. <laughs> there we go. See, I got it right the first time, but it's, you know, I think I could handle this much better and like, mid Pochettino where occasionally we just usually against West Ham like lay an egg and I mean speaking of somebody who did not handle it well in mid Pochettino era I mean I, th- <laughs> I mean I agree like you know our expectations got set so sky high during those years and then bottomed out so hard in the last two years that we just have no patience for anything resembling mediocrity and you know I think it's very easy to look at this game and blame Davinson Sanchez, who I'm happy to do, and Harry Winks, who I'm happy to do, and you know, and and not just recognize it. Like Southampton played a really good game, and like we aren't all functional yet. And sometimes a team is going to play a really good game against us, and we're going to lose because we haven't quite clicked yet. And I mean, you're absolutely right that the the pieces have been there over the last few months, like Conte has done a remarkable job turning this team around in a short time. But, you know, sometimes we're going to come up against a team that's firing on all cylinders and we're going to lose games and it's hard to not catastrophize. But I mean, you know, you look at Bencourt and wow, what a difference he made. You look at Romero and you see, you know, this kind of center back we've been missing since, you know, Jan and Toby left. And it's like there are plenty of reasons to hope and dream on, you know. Kane's been amazing lately. Like we're it's coming together. It's just not coming together fast enough and consistently enough to make us all feel good again because we've had so many bad times after, well, you know, a really good period. And I, I noticed uh, Spurs fans, I, obviously that's the sort of the community I follow and participate in the most, but like – I get a, I, I joke with friends sometimes because, uh, you know, obviously part of the people we know and follow is like there's a lot of stat-based sort of s- football fans that we all respect and like and echo a lot of the opinions of and consume. But 
there are times, and I am exaggerating here, I get the sense that, like, unless a team is, like, playing, like, 2011 Barcelona, like, mistake-free football, it's like, this shit is, like, I, 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 a lot of times I see this shit is garbage, get it out of here, like, you know, it's just there's so little patience for mistakes and, um, or just development or, you know, bad games, and I, I, I am extremely guilty of this, I, I think. I know you're guilty of it, Ben. There's a lot of us who have this, like, <laughs> there's so little patience for this stuff. And I don't know, like, how much that's a broader football trend or how much that's something that's just Spurs fans are experiencing in relation to all that stuff we just talked about. But it's something I'm noticing more and more. And, you know, like, I, my, my initial instinct after today's game, I was really frustrated and angry. But, like, I don't know. I came away from this game thing. We easily could have won this despite how bad we were. I mean, Southampton, as good as they were today, and they were good, and I think, like you said, Ben, we should. I, I think we fail to give other teams credit against us, especially when they're not Chelsea or City or whoever at the top of the table. You know, I still think it felt like they were playing with fire. Like at any moment, that felt like it could be, like backfire on them. Like they never felt sturdy. You know, I mean, you saw it with our two goals. Like it broke down for them like that in a way that you know I think we would have found frustrating if it happened to us if we were on the flip side of that today. So it's like. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just like, I feel like we just have so little patience these days. And I think this Spurs team right now, and I know it's hard because of the last couple of years, but I think it deserves a lot of patience considering how far Conte's taken them. And even though there's still guys like Sanchez on there who as good as they've been under, under Conte can still turn in a performance like this at the drop of a hat, you know, there's enough there to hope on. And you think like, okay, Benton core and Kulashevsky, like what, like, it's too early to expect anything out of them, but we're going to hopefully see stuff out of them. Hopefully in the summer transfer window. I mean, we all, there's, again, Spurs fans tend to shit on Paratici or um, Paratici. Um, but uh, thanks, Brian. Um, but, you know, he got Romero in the summer and he got Conte here for whatever else. It's like, there's a lot to sort of dream on with where this team's headed. And it's just, I don't know. I find it interesting. We get so carried away, uh, carried away by a bad result. Brian, do you have any thoughts? I feel like we've just bogarted the mics for the while. No, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you guys just said. I, I think, you know, I, I think our manager has kind of said basically the same thing. Uh, I think that's that's what Conte has been saying for the last few months is like, look, uh, we're, we're, we're not on this level. We are, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. These players have to suffer a lot. Like, you know, he, he, he we have to do better in the transfer window. We have to do all these sorts of things. Like, you know, I, I, I'm like you guys. I, 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 I want to avoid getting too down on this team, on these players, because like, these are the guys we have to talk about for the next three and a half months. And, God, it's going to be real annoying if this turns into an hour long, like, I hate Davinson and from and uh, Royale podcast for for that entire period of time. Uh, this has always been a we hate Harry Winks podcast, so that's not going to change. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no matter you know, what evidence of the contrary is presented to us. Yeah, nope. Yeah, we'll turn I mean, on him at the drop of a hat. We've slightly come around on Ben Davis, and I think that as a group, that's all we're willing to do. Um <laughs> And, you know, I don't know. I just look Southampton are not a bad team. Uh, they they drew Manchester City right before the international break. Um, they've had some good results against good teams. Um, 
you know, we we know what they are capable of in terms of being well drilled, in terms of being a good pressing team. And, you know, they're 10th they're now. Like, they're, this isn't like the, the, the Southampton that Greg is talking about, it, you know, losing 9-0 and, you know, barely above the relegation places. It's like they're a firmly mid-table team right now. Um, and and so, like, this isn't a super embarrassing result. I don't think we should get too low about it. I think, you know, if anything, the thing you're concerned about is, like, we just don't seem to have ideas to deal with a, a, a coherent press. And you just have to hope that more training, more match practice with Conte leads to that. Um, and we and we get there over the course of the next few months. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we do. It hasn't I mean, been that long. We 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 again. This is an aberration. We look great against Brighton. I, I mean, I know we're not talking about it because we have the Southampton match, but you know, I mean, to talk about it a little bit. I mean, Spurs were stellar against them. They were cracking them open. When and and I think one thing that was really good about that match is like when Brighton was asserting control, Conte did make changes that like immediately settled everything down. We did do things to sort of respond in that match. And, you know, Brighton is, I mean, Ben, I know you're the captain of the Graham Potter um, fan club, but like Brighton's been a really good team for the last couple of years. And I think beating them in a game where Basuma played so well was a real accomplishment. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it was just like a short turnaround and maybe it was Southampton had their, you know, act together. I don't know what it was, but like, I don't know. It's real Jekyll and Hyde out of this team. And, you know, I mean, I think to look at the positives of today, we still, we, we could have nicked it. Like, I mean, we were, we were right in it despite getting our brains beat. And Ben, you read the shot totals earlier. Like, you know, Southampton was way out shooting us. And we still like, because we have guys like Harry Kane and, and Hunming Sun and Stephen Bergvine even, you know, like we almost pulled a point out of this match. You know, there's a world we in which we- score four times today <laughs> that's true that's true but i even i will not uh get my get get my uh dander up over the uh romero var decision because that was a little even i don't think that should have stood but you know it's it's we are a good team and i think i'm really excited to like see what we can do when we get a whole summer of antonio conte with no international tournaments you know i'm real excited for that and you know i just Really, I, I still like our chances at the Champions League, um, you know, because uh, the teams above us didn't do anything to improve. And I think I still think they've got just as big of problems as we do, if not bigger. Um, but, you know, I, I, if we make Champions League, I always it's like the important thing for me about making Champions League is not even being in the competition, which is great and all. But it's just like the level of talent we're going to be able to attract because you heard about. You know, Pal Torres was a guy. There were a couple others that we were linked with this past summer. We were just like, hey, you're not even in the Europa League. Like, get out of here. You know, I'm really curious about if we have Champions League to bring teams to an Antonio Conte coach team, like what we can do uh, or bring players to an Antonio Conte coach team, what we can sort of do with that. And I'm still really excited about it. I just hope we can sort of get through this. I think, you know, in terms of player attraction, even if we just – I'm not I'm not bargaining down from Champions League like that should still be the goal for this season but 
if we don't make Champions League, as long as we make a fight out of the run-in and we have Antonio Conte this summer, like, we're going to be able to attract talent. Like, players want to play for a coach like that. You know, we are not in the situation that we were under Jose or Nuno where, you know, we look like we're in a fucking tailspin. You know, we look like we are competing for something. Um, and just sometimes that means we have setbacks. You know, we're not the finished article. And I think we kind of got spoiled a little bit with Conte in that the first run of games went just so well that everyone just expected. It was like, yeah, we're going to be one of the best teams in the league again. And I think that was always unrealistic, even while we were counting the games in hand as three points. You know, it was it's always been a work in progress. We always have had work to do. And I think. You know, despite the result today, it still feels like we're taking steps in the right direction and everything is moving along in a way that is generally positive. And I think getting down by it, like, yeah, I'm not saying don't like be fucking pissed off during the game when you lose. Like, yeah, it sucks to lose. But, you know, take a walk around your neighborhood, have a beer and like think about it. And like, we're still in pretty good shape. You know, like you said, Greg, despite everything, we almost pulled it off today. And, you know, we have players coming back. We have new players betting in. Like, it's all very positive, I think, around around the team right now. And it should be. And, like, booing the team off at halftime just because we got our asses kicked just feels like, like, what the fuck? Like, what do you want? Like, I don't know. I just, it just—it all feels just so misguided the way we we treat the team and and we react to a bad day at the office. Well, it's and I think you see it across football. But we—I mean, we talked about—I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast. Certainly, I know the extra inch discussed it. But there's just this poisonous attitude around. At least I see it mostly in Spurs Twitter. But like, yeah, you see it like in the stands today. I think that's a great point, Ben, um, about them booing them off at halftime. Like, yeah, be pissed, but don't like. You know, this isn't like late stage Nuno or Mourinho or even banging our head against the wall. I mean, we're still, like you said, look at where we are now compared to where we were in like, you know, October. You know, like it, we're not one of the, I mean, we're probably actually one of the best teams in the Premier League. We're obviously not on like the Chelsea, Liverpool city level, but like considering where we were and where we are now, it's pretty stunning. But you just have these people who, seem to look for reasons to make themselves miserable. And God knows that's something I've done at various points in my life. But, you know, you look at the, uh, you know, a bunch of like dumb aggregator accounts went on this campaign about some kid that we were going to sign. Cause he said, he tweeted out like dumb jokes about Harry Kane when he was in the Arsenal youth Academy at 15. And it's like, it's just this attitude of like making yourself angry. It's like, you're not, you're not happy. You're a real fan unless you're not satisfied. And the only way you can be satisfied is we actually lift a trophy. And I'm sure if we win the FA Cup this year, someone's going to find something to complain about there, that how that's not a real achievement or something, which it absolutely would be, just to be 100% clear. It's just, I don't know. It's like, I am I have gotten, don't get me wrong, there has been a lot to be angry about with Spurs over the last couple of years. There's probably, if you want to dig into it, there's probably stuff to be angry about right now. But it's like, considering where we are, at least on the pitch, like the way that people are just finding them, finding things to make themselves miserable about is just, I don't know. It's like, like you said, like have a beer, go for a walk, 
Like, don't kick, like, don't kick an animal over it, you know? Like, that's not funny. I said, don't <laughs> kick an animal over it. <laughs> no. no, but I mean, like, we we've been so bad in in recent times that like to look at what happened today and like think the sky is falling is just just an absurd overreaction. You know, I mean, we've been so much worse like in the last ten years. Like leaving that aside, if you can't look at what this team is putting together and feel hopeful for the future, I'm just not sure what what you're doing. Like why? Why do you watch every week? If this doesn't give you hope that like we are turning things around, like we are going to challenge for good things in the future, like what what do you want? I, I, I really don't know the answer to this. Like unless we're like, you know, peak Fergie man you just dominating the league year after year. Like I just don't feel like people are gonna be satisfied. And it's it's just it sucks. And I know like we're all guilty of feeling that way and expressing that sentiment from time to time. But like, just take a step back and look at, you know, how far we've come from where we were under like Juan de Ramos, <laughs> you know, you don't need to do that. Look at how far we've come from how we were under Mourinho. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, of course, like it, every game is not a catastrophe, even if we lose. I just don't know how to stress that enough. Even if it feels like it. it it's going to be okay, guys. <laughs> this has been a weirdly therapeutic podcast, boys. Look, you know, we have to be the voice of reason. Um, <laughs> I think in addition to being the most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast, we have to be the most reasonable Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> podcast. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I think... Uh, Kind of stay on brand. Yeah, we'll work that honestly. into our next episode's tagline, Brian. I think I think we got to do that. You're welcome. Doing your work for you as usual. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I look, look, we've got a lot more games this season. I mean, we play again on Sunday. Um, we have more winnable matches coming up. Like, we just got to put this one in the rear view. Uh, I, I think maybe that's the frustrating thing is that, you know, you've, you've got a span of four games here where it really felt like you could take like 10 points from these four matches and to to come away from our first home Premier League match since Boxing Day with a 3-2 defeat against a team that we should probably beat is, is a little annoying. Um, but there's, I mean, we've got so many more games to play. Um, and, it, you know... We've got time on the training ground. We've got time to play these matches. We're just going to get better. Like, it's not... I think that's the thing that, I, that, that I'm that i holding on to is under Conte, it's going to improve. Like, it's not... This isn't Mourinho. This isn't latter-era Pochettino where things are stagnant or things are slowly falling apart. Um, things are only going to get better. Like, like Conte, the more time he has with these guys, is going to improve this team. They are going to look better. They are going to understand the, you know, the capital P pattern better. Like, you know. I'm so uh, tired of the word pattern. <laughs> uh, it really I have to live through Project Restart, you have to live through the pattern. <laughs> I just want it in the record that I didn't say Project Restart yet. 
Um, I was trying to I was trying to figure out how to get there in this bit, um, but Greg beat me to it, so it's fine. Doesn't matter now. Um, no, uh, but, but I mean, you know, like like this group is what it is. But Conte is going to maximize them over the next three months, and we just have to keep that in mind. And we have to understand that there's going to be road bumps and there are bumps in the road and there's going to be, um, you know, issues, but, you know, we, we basically play every four days. So, I mean, there's another the thing, one coming guys. The thing that I'm also encouraged by is you look at a match like today, like what are the, where are our problems midfield and defense? And like, who do we keep getting linked to? Who are, who are we getting credible transfer rumors for the summer? And it's center backs and midfield. So, you know, I, I'm encouraged by the fact, like, I don't think this team is, like, thinking, like, Davison Sanchez is going to be the answer for ever and ever. Even though it's it's worth pointing out, like, we're talking about being ra- the most reasonable Tottenham Hotspur podcast. You know, this I think it is worth remembering that while we have seen performances like this from Davinson in the past, we have not seen many performances like Davinson from, like, this. We have not seen many performances like this from Davinson this year, certainly not under Conte. And, you know, I don't think that means we shouldn't go replace him or get another center back. But, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, I, I mean, look, I, if he, if Dyer's back and he goes back to being your fourth choice center back, then that's fine. Uh, but right now he is, he is starting every match. And it, because he, he was starting every match because uh, Romero was out and now Romero's back, but now Dyer is out. So, well, like, one, once Sanchez gets moved to the bench, that's fine. Um, but we, we're having to rely on him specifically a lot now, and it, it's not fun. Well, Delhi has probably got all his, to get hurt. Delhi's probably yeah. moved all his stuff to Liverpool by now, so I don't know what Dyer's waiting for. He needs to get back to London and start get back in our starting lineup. But I mean, yeah, he's I, had enough time to grieve. I mean, I said I said this already, but I'm going to say it again. You know. The lineup we put out today is not our first choice lineup. And you want this team to be a big enough squad and a deep enough squad that you can sustain a few injuries, but we're not there yet. But I firmly believe that, you know, once that first choice 11 gets on the pitch, we're going to see more results like we did in the early part of Conte's tenure when like that was happening. And, you know, Dyer, Skip, like these guys are going to make a difference. And Ben Core coming in is going to make a difference. And hopefully Kulisevsky is a guy who's going to make a difference too. And like it all feels like it's bending in, a right, in the right direction. You just got to be patient. And that's even that's today. To even today, I, I think I would say that. Like you could see the signs even in a match as bad as this. So you yeah, don't know don't know how we ended up being the ones to talk everyone off the ledge but here we are so i hope that we have a better match hopefully in the future what'll happen is this podcast will um engage in better scheduling decisions because we somehow if we, if you put two spurs games in any given week we pick the one you definitely don't want to have a conversation about to podcast immediately after so hopefully we'll uh, do a better job of that in the future for our sake if not yours dear listener but with that, I think it's time to wrap it up. Brian, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That's Brian with a Y. I almost forgot my own name. <laughs> ben, where can people find you on the internet? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade Uspers. And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. Don't forget to leave us some uh, podcast reviews. We deserve it. We're good boys, um, even if Spurs were not today. Uh, for Ben, for Brian, for Brett Rainbow, uh, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>